Hello there, I'm Alexis, your multi-hyphen witchy friend who is now regretting not recording a new intro and choosing to make an introduction every week. And this is the Starry Sky and Witchy Things podcast. By day, I'm a photographer working with creatives, artists, intuitives and entrepreneurs and on this show I aim to make esoteric knowledge relevant to the challenges of the modern age. Especially for women who want to be more empowered in who they authentically are. This space is like opening a bottle of rosé with your friends and jumping around from fashion to sets to the mysteries of the universe, because women can do both. can be silly and love pretty things and we can dive deep into intellectual rabbit holes and face our shadows like the brave warriors we are. can be soft and bold and we can refuse to be pigeonholed for how we look or what we like. And if you don't identify as a woman, you're welcome to, but this is the vibe. Last year... In episode 1, I covered the ideas of defining witchcraft and magic, spells and rituals, and different approaches to magic, then what is cosmic witchcraft compared to other kinds, and then in the three episodes that followed I covered moon magic, planetary magic and star magic, which is the main focus of this podcast. Later in season 2 I expanded on the conversation about the different approaches to magic by having an episode covering natural magic, which is a concept of mostly the Renaissance. And of course, as a podcast on star magic, I had multiple episodes covering that topic. But for today, I want to take us back to the natural magic episode and expand on those topics. Something that inspired this review of concepts has been a question I haven't actually read, so I'm not meaning to call out anyone, but the title of the thread was around spells that worked. And that is interesting to me because even from a possible magic perspective, I thought everyone who did spells did them expecting them to work. Which got me thinking about a conversation I had with my mother. So one thing she said that was particularly sad was that if all the things I did worked, I wouldn't be in the situation I am. And that to me shows a misunderstanding of what it means for a spell to work. I don't know where the idea comes from, but it seems that most of us come to magic with like an understanding that a spell is a request, like we press the button on a vending machine and we get the candy bar. So it's linear and measurable, and if the outcome is that we consider the spell to be a success. And in some instances, that's exactly what happens, so we see the success stories of people bringing in money at the time that they needed it, so meeting their partner or whatever. And I don't think we are doing something wrong and we're broken and not as powerful. Or we assume it has to be just a coincidence because otherwise, why not us? But spells can also manifest in more roundabout ways. And sometimes we have this gap between what we ask for and where we are that is bigger and it's bridging in more practical ways. And sometimes our timeline is not the timeline that someone else has when we say the same thing. It struck me lately when I was taking a course and the teacher mentioned that it takes time to build a sales funnel and we shouldn't expect great success in the first year. It can happen and it's great if it does but being realistic that the first year in business you are testing and refining to find what messaging your ideal clients resonate with so that you can attract them and scale from there. And I was there thinking that 
If she didn't mention the one-year timeline, my mind filling in the gaps would have gone, well, if I'm not going to make money for a decade, is it even worth it? Should I just go and teach English in rural Japan? So, when you use air or fire for a quick spell, the timeline you think is fast may not be the timeline you're on, and there may be reasons why that jump just isn't possible. And this isn't about whether magic isn't real in terms of philosophical realism. This is just what the manifestation space calls energetic alignment. A balloon full of helios but tied to a rock is not going to fly if the rock is heavier than it can carry. But we have hot air balloons carrying people just fine. So sometimes in times of desperation we tend to do spells for quick results when there's a lot more work to shift to that place and we may not see them coming as fast as we wanted them even if we are not at the mercy of external things. There is no cosmic gatekeeper gifting things to others because they are more worthy like we live in the Six of Pentacles. It's own subconscious shit that we need to manipulate too. People believe quantum leaps are instantaneous, but a scientific experiment catching a jump has proven that there are gradual shifts. So when the spirituality industry started using the language of quantum physics as a metaphor, we created this expectation that it's all about massive changes from one moment to the next. But like the flowers blooming seemingly overnight, the seed had been planted and nurtured a long time before the bud was above ground, ready for that fast shift. And the social media landscape is full of people celebrating the big wins, and it can be easy to feel disconnected from being grateful for the small wins that led you there, or even worse, not recognize the wins because they're all internal changes that had no obvious result in your day-to-day life. And I'm not saying to bypass the hard feelings that come when you feel like you are behind, but feel them and let them go. Don't turn them into a story about who you are, where you're going and what's possible for you. Anyway, this light digression was not without a point, I promise. One of the books we will be using this season is the Renaissance classic by Heinrich Cornelius Agrippa, The Occulta Philosophia which is translated as the three books of occult philosophy and was published in 1533. The reason why, when he isn't the only one who wrote about uh, what was the it topic of the age, anyone that be Bernstein is the only author on manifestation in our days, is that he explained the ways in which magicians understood and manipulated the cosmos more systematically than any of his predecessors, and more or less change the trajectory of the Western esoteric tradition. And yes, I say the cosmos, although if you listen to the season premiere episode, you know already that it wrote about elemental, celestial and intellectual magic, which is what later would become ceremonial magic. Or as it was translated in the John Francis edition a century later, super celestial which to me gives a clear indication that for the early modern magician, the order of things was Earth, Cosmos and then the Divine or Spirit realm. So the key to remember is that they were all connected through correspondences. As above, so below had three layers and it was a spiral that went in all directions. The magician who knew how to master all of them could know the secrets of all of them and move accordingly. 
Anthony Grafton put it beautifully in a review of the book. Agrippa saw all of them as connected, weaving complex spiderwebs of influence that pass from high to low and low to high. The methods to invoke the spirits rested on symbolism and correspondences derived from a Christian appropriation of the Kabbalah too. And it's this complex system of interconnectedness that later magicians, living in the scientific age, retained while discarding the Roman folk tales that make up a large portion of the book. One objection I see a lot about magic not being quote-unquote real is that if it was, then everyone could just use it and achieve success. But that's never been the case. Agrippa wrote this treaty in order to make the secrets of magic available as knowledge, but to him, only a person who is perfectly pious and truly religious can legitimately perform magic. He believed that the divine spark, which is naturally present in each individual, is completely inactive in the majority of humankind, whose reason is overwhelmed by the impulses of their senses. And while we may not believe in the necessity of religion in the same way, the inner work necessary of the magician is something we can see across the board in all traditions, even to an extent folk practitioners. I don't believe in purity, and in fact I think it's a damaging concept in many ways, but it seems like a good rule of thumb that our power, while there for everyone to tap into, is contained and requires us to be intentional about using it. Those who perceive the inner calling and choose to answer will face the need to work the soil like a farmer does to plant and grow their crops. So some people will walk away from it then, and those who stick around and master it will see the results. Agrippa was working within a broader cultural context that thought to reconcile Christianity and at the time specifically in the Catholic understanding of it and the natural philosophy of Neoplatonism and this magical text relies heavily on the framework of Neoplatonic metaphysics and hermetic theology. And the most relevant to today's topic, which is spells, is the hermetic understanding of what it means to do magic. So, first of all, there are set limits to what magic can and cannot do that are accepted within that tradition, but often seem to be taken for granted. And then people are like, but if magic was real, then you could do it like we are in a fantasy. No, no, we can't. And it's pretty established that we can't. Now, you might be thinking, isn't that hypocritical of you? You hunt four seasons with the slogan of living life limitless. And they meant it as removing the psychological barriers that stand in our way and in the way of our power and then are limiting the reality that we co-create within the limits of the scope of magic as you understand it. Anyway, spells, charms and enchantments all derive from words related to speaking. An old version of the Encyclopedia Britannica states that, in general terms, the beliefs underlying the use of spells is that the wish that they embody will be fulfilled, regardless of its goodness or badness, so long as the formula has been correctly pronounced. Broadly speaking, then, spells and prayer, like magic and religion to which they severally belong, can be distinguished by the nature of the intended purpose. In this respect, 
Many practitioners see all the words we speak and the thoughts we think as spells too. This is why for me it's hard to separate the spells from any consequences of having spoken those words, even if they appear roundabout by way of what the intent was. If I make a prosperity jar intending to get, say, £3,000, but over the year I get a lot of free stuff whose cumulative value is £3,000, then the spell worked just as much. We are just more inclined to notice when the outcome is what we had in mind or if we were precise in our workings, what we spelled out. Over the years I had my fair share of spells where I had to learn to be careful to wait what you wish for, including my newfound love of puns. As a result of a spell to clear out any obstacles standing in my way, since the long-term vision was to go to Japan and what people love puns more than middle-aged Japanese men. This is a silly example, but nonetheless a true point. Over time, I became less focused on making sure I had all the right ingredients and correspondences and more on the words I speak all day, every day, coming from a place that my power does not switch on and off just because for the big things I cast a circle in a gown. So, my invitation for you as we start the new year is to check in with yourself and think about what you have learned from your practice since you started. And if you're new and just starting, then you are starting ahead compared to some of us by having this knowledge already. Also, if you don't do it too frequently and didn't do it for the solstice or the end of the calendar year, time for a check-in with your protection magic. I'll be back next Thursday with an episode looking more in-depth about celestial magic. And until next time, keep living in wonder. Thank you for listening to the Starry Sky and Witchy Things podcast. A huge thank you to Jenna Sword at Jenna S-O-A-R-D on Instagram for the cover art and Papa Planet for the music. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to be notified when a new one comes out, please subscribe on your platform of choice. And if you really love it, leave a five-star rating and review, which will help me be found by more people who'll enjoy it too. Also, feel free to share it on social media and with anyone you think should give it a shot. You can send your questions and comments to my email, starryskypodcast at gmail.com 
or on Instagram at Starry Sky Podcast. And you can also subscribe to my monthly newsletter at witchymusings.substack.com where I share reflections and tips about the astrological seasons. Until next time.